Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome in to the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. Really, really excited about the podcast we have coming your way today. We are joined by Jeremy Werner from our Illinois website, Eli Nye Inquire. I've got a tongue twister on that one on my hands this week. Um, Jeremy, thanks a bunch for joining the show. How's the start of your week been? Uh, been good. Uh, we learned a little bit about Illinois in a very close battle against the defending MAC champion. They uh, got lucky, a little bit fortunate to to come back and win, but they also earned it. They they came back and showed some resilience and coming back from a 19-7 deficit uh, midway through the third quarter, and uh, then uh, you know it's one point deficit with three minutes remaining. It made some phenomenal plays. Uh, but I, I've been looking forward to this matchup for a while, Illinois against Kansas, because I did so much research on Lance Leipold when he was at Buffalo because I thought Illinois might hire him. And there was a buzz that Illinois could hire him, but then they went with Brett Bielma. And I just think it's phenomenal. These two programs have struggled for so long, are finally competent, competitive football programs, and now they're squaring off against each other. I, I, I imagine both these programs thought this game might be a little bit better of a a favorable of a matchup when mm. they started it, what, like six, seven, eight years ago. But here we go. This is actually a meaningful football game, and I'm pumped for it. Yeah, I am too. And I think I, for me, I think one of the cool parts of it too is, right, the l- relationship between the two head coaches where, you know, Bielma and Leipold obviously both coached in Wisconsin together. Leipold told a story about that earlier this week. I know Bielma mentioned talking to Leipold that the NFL draft in Kansas City. I think that's a fun part of this matchup to start off is maybe you look at the two teams, right, not necessarily super similar, but I think Leipold long-term, like Kansas may look a little bit more like Illinois in terms of the physicality, but I think they're two kind of head coaches who probably are a little bit similar in the way they probably view football. What's kind of been your experience like being around Bielma and the way that he's gone about building this Illinois program? Yeah, it's no flashy kind of thing. It's just about getting tough, smart, dependable players. I just used his phrase there, tough, smart, and dependable. Um, you know, when Illinois, they're looking to hire people. Uh, one of the reasons I, I kind of gravitate towards Leipold is he's one everywhere he's been. And it's not nothing sexy about it. It's just good football coaching, fundamental, disciplined football, and they get good football players. Now, you got to get athletes at every level. You got to raise the level of athletes. And, you know, Kansas and Illinois are starting to do that of we got to get better players because we got to deal with the best playmakers in the country in, in the Big 12 and in the Big 10. 
but you got to start with a foundation, a culture. That's a buzzy word, but you know it when you see it and, and you know it when it's not there. And mm. I think what Illinois has done is they've been competitive and, and just competent. And for 10 years, I watched a program that was not consistently competitive and not consistently competent when it comes to its coaching and just its overall processes, the everyday things that I think, Michael, you and I can see a little bit when you cover the program. But the players repeat everything Brett Bioma says. Uh, he goes through football 101 classes to teach them the fundamentals and situational football. Uh, he is involved in every aspect of the program. Like he is tireless. Sometimes I feel like he works too much, but it's paying off for him. Uh, and it's just everything is so organized and structured. And that just hasn't been the case. I know Kansas probably has dealt with some issues with previous coaches. Illinois certainly has dealt with it with previous coaches. And uh, it just feels like a guy that, that could have success in a lot of places, but to do it at Illinois so far, uh, to be over 500, to be, um, you know, 500 in the Big Ten during his tenure, that's a huge step forward for Illinois. And I know Leipold's bringing similar things to Kansas. It's, it's, it's no like secret of what he does, but to do it, um, I, I think is, you know, it's hard. It's hard at places like Illinois and Kansas. Yeah. I, literally everything you said there, I'm like, yeah, you could flip and put Lance Leipold's name there and put Kansas there instead of Illinois. And it's, it's the exact same. So, I mean, let's dive into the start of the season for Illinois. Um, just broadly, what were some of maybe the expectations heading into this season? I know defensively, right. Illinois was really good last year, lost multiple defensive backs to the NFL draft. They return a lot of talent and kind of that front five, the, it's a three, four defense, but kind of a front five. Um, and then for you in week one, like what were your expectations and what maybe intrigued you most from what you saw on the field compared to what you expected? Yeah, Mike, I'm confused <laughs> because we went into this game thinking Illinois is going to win this in the trenches because they have three all Big Ten linemen coming back, including two guys we think will get drafted. And Isaiah Adams, probably a day two, early day three guy at the worst. Uh, and then Julian Pearl, their left tackle is really good. Isaiah Chrysler returns after being honorable mention all Big Ten last year. And then the front five, as you, as you call it, two outside linebackers, and which basically are defensive ends, and then three defensive linemen. Four of the guys are probably NFL prospects. Johnny Newton's buzzed as a first-round pick. Uh, I think it'll be day two at worst. Um, Keith Randolph, phenomenal player. He's going to be a draft pick. Seth Coleman's got a chance. He needs to be more consistent. And then sophomore Gabe Ackes was a freshman All-American. Just uh, was on the freaks list for Bruce Feldman. But those guys struggled. Like Illinois got outplayed in the trenches by Toledo, yet they won because the areas we thought were concerns, which was the quarterback and the passing game, just because it was unproven. Luke Altmaier was fantastic. The receivers were great. They made huge plays. Luke Altmaier made one big mistake with an interception, but responded to it well. It was a dual threat, really ran the ball well, led the team in rushing, uh, which for 69 yards. And then their secondary, which has to replace four starters. They all had the chance at the NFL, three top 70 picks in the draft. Miles Scott, who was a walk-on wide receiver last year, uh, didn't even play safety during spring ball, was a corner during spring ball. He has a pick six, and they were hyping him up all training camp, and he lives up to it, and he was great all game. And then Xavier Scott, who are they hyping up, is kind of Quan Martin's replacement at the nickel role. He played both nickel and corner because they had an injury, and he was great. Uh, so the secondary was really good, but uh, we're kind of confused because that was the question marks, and those were the strengths of the team in this win. So that's the positive. Uh, yeah. The negative is you weren't as strong in the trenches as, as you should be. And that is the outlier of the past really calendar year and a half for Illinois. But um, I, I think it is a concern going up against a Kansas team 
that gives a lot of the same offensive issues that Toledo did. Uh, you know, the offensive line has two new starters, a guy in a new place that I think could cause some growing pains. I don't think we're surprised by some growing pains. I want to make growing pains on the offensive line last year before they became a Joe Moore semifinalist, right? Um, but the defensive line struggling as much as they did, the front five struggling as much as they did, going up against an offense that and a quarterback that's a dual threat that it's hard mm-hmm. to contain, that's a concern, especially going into this week. Yeah, I want to talk about the offensive line. Um, and we can start offense and we'll go to defense in a second. Uh, you mentioned Adams, funny enough, was someone that took an official visit to Kansas as well, right? It was one of the finalists. But that offensive line, right? Talk to us about maybe the progression and where you see the strengths of that line being. And also, you mentioned growing pains, right? Where exactly are kind of those spots where you feel like, ooh, I'm going to be watching this this week against Kansas? Yeah, uh, so their left side is really good. Now, I do have to mention they had a couple injuries during the game. Zai Chrysler had some cramps. Sounds like he's fine. He's their right tackle. He moved from right tackle uh, to right tackle from guard. So he he got bumped out more on an island now, and he struggled a little bit in pass protection uh, in his first game. So that is something to watch. Uh, but their left side, when healthy, Isaiah Adams suffered an injury late. Scans, x-rays are all negative. But he's one of the best guards in the country, a left guard, just physical they, they call their pancakes knockdowns at Illinois, and he had 120 and a half knockdowns last year, which is just insane. Doug Kramer, who's on the Chicago Bears now as a center, had 89 to lead the team two years ago. So it was just, he's a punishing run blocker. And he's gotten better uh, as a pass protector. Uh, King was penalty prone last year, but he's a guy that should be an NFL draft pick, I think, in, in the second through fourth round. Julian Pearl, their left tackle, has a lot of experience. Uh, needs to be a little bit more consistent, but he is a good pass protector. Long, strong, uh, kind of looks like what they look like in the NFL. But the big question marks are, are their center and their right guard. And they had some ups and downs in their first game. Their center is Josh Kreutz, the son of Olin Kreutz, who Bears fans would know was a poor bowler in the NFL. Undersized but physical and nasty. His son is the same thing, a little undersized. But he did bounce back to have a good second half. And he's kind of the, the leader of the, the offensive line making the calls. I think he'll be okay. But I do think their right guard was a little bit of concern. Josh Geske was a redshirt sophomore, kind of been a surprise guy uh, the last year to go win that job over a veteran in Jordan Slaughter, who played in the first week. Uh, but Josh Geske looked like he was playing his first game, to be honest with you. And um, they struggled to, to get yards when they need to get yards on the ground. They, they got turned it over on downs with two straight runs right behind their, their guard and their center. And uh, Josh Kreutz and Josh Geske both struggled on that one. And then Josh Geske gave up pressure that fortunately didn't end the game for Illinois because Luke Altmaier made a phenomenal throw to Casey Washington to, to keep the game alive uh, and then eventually win the game. But uh, their offensive line, I expected to go through some growing pains with the newcomers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm interested to see what, what they do because they do rotate guys. They played seven offensive linemen in the first game, a little bit on necessity, but Slaughter replaced Geske uh, to, to give them a little bit of more veteran look. And I, I thought he – he played decently, uh, so I'm wondering, you know, what it'll look like and how do they how they compete against a Power Five team because Toledo owned the trenches, especially for the first half. Yeah, and I think also got to remember, right? Like Toledo is a won the MAC last year, if I remember right, and then I, I also returned a bunch of production. Like they're a good team. Yeah, I think Toledo, Kansas, Illinois, they're all very similar team. You know what I mean? I don't think Toledo is a, a good MAC program. Kansas and Illinois should beat them, but I do think you know Toledo's as good as some of the worst. Big 10 teams, right? They would beat Northwestern. I think they would beat Rutgers. Um, so I I don't think they're they're a pushover, and they certainly showed that against Illinois. But for an Illinois team that expects to be the more physical team up front, 
They were not against Toledo. Yeah, I want to talk about Luke Altmaier too. I, watching the game, I was so impressed with him. Not, you know, looking at his high school profile and who he was coming out of high school, right? You knew about the arm talent that he had, but you mentioned the rushing. And I think for him, extending plays was one of the big things that really stood out to me. I think for KU against Missouri State, something we saw with KU really trying to get upfield with its defensive line is it did leave some running lanes for the quarterback. And I feel like that's something for Kansas that they're going to have to really work on this week and really make sure that someone like Altmaier can't beat them with their legs. But what stood out to you most about him and what maybe were the expectations for him going into this season? Yeah, always knew he had the tools because, as you said, his recruiting profile was pretty dang good. Alabama offered at one point, right? I don't think they were pushing for him at the end, but, you know, Ole Miss wanted him really bad. They got him, and as a true freshman, he backed up Matt Corral. He's the top backup, and he went into the Sugar Bowl and played in the Sugar Bowl and was pretty decent. Made a mistake, made an interception, but also threw a, a phenomenal touchdown catch and showed some competitiveness. Uh, and then last year, took Jackson Dart into the season uh, as a starting competition, got injured, and then Jackson Dart took the job and you know never never relented from there. Uh, so the talent was always there, and he, he showed it Ole Miss, and, and he did have some experience at Ole Miss. And I think just being with Lane Kiffin and being that competition certainly helped him, but we we just didn't know. Like We knew he could run. Barry Loney was the offense coordinator. Only. He was so excited about his running ability because uh, it was better than what Tommy DeVito had last year. Uh, and, and he's got a, probably a better deep ball than Tommy DeVito. His touch is really great. Um, doesn't have like the biggest NFL cannon for an arm, but he can make all the throws, but it's just the way he can place a ball, uh, is, is really impressive. He's, he, he can, he can hit the home run. Um, our question was, we just got to see it. Like, can he hit the singles and doubles that Illinois needs? Yeah. Can he avoid the turnovers that, that really hurt you? And he had one, one big turnover against Toledo that could have really hurt Illinois, but Miles Scott had a pick six and the momentum changed. but Luke Altmaier's poise. And his ability to bounce back from a mistake was really impressive. I think that's what you got to see out of a quarterback once they get the job. Because you knew he was talented. He was a four-star prospect. You know, um, had, had all these tools in, in, in high school. But how does it translate when you make a mistake or you get hit hard? And I think he showed a lot on this 33-yard pass to Casey Washington. Fourth and four in their own territory. Games on the line. And his right tackle missed a block. And there's a man right in his face. And he just threw the ball up, gave his wide receiver a chance, knew he was going to get crushed, and he made the throw. I thought that said a lot about him. And then his running ability, uh, I agree with you. you know, I watched a little bit of that Missouri State, State game. Missouri State's quarterback, I thought there was some toughness at times. It wasn't much of a runner. Uh, no. Luke Altmaier can, can run, uh, and, and he's going to make you pay with that. They're going to run some zone read at times. And outside of a couple decisions about maybe he should have kept one, and outside of throwing in a triple coverage for an interception – his decision-making was pretty impressive under duress. Yeah, and so for this offense, then, when it's going to be at its best this season, what do you think that's going to look like? And how maybe does that compare to last season, right? Because I, I look at the the numbers, right, and the return two running backs who both on the preseason kind of dope walker award list, which for KU fans, right, Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw were both on that list as well. So obviously really good running backs. It seems like they've got some good skill position players, but – what type of offense do they want to be when they hit their peak at some point this season? I think the key word is balance. Last year, Chase Brown was so much of what they did. Uh, second team All-American for people who don't know. Uh, draft pick of the Cincinnati Bengals. Might have a chance to play it at some point this year. But great explosiveness. But he carried the ball, Michael, towards you know the middle to the end of the season 30 to 40 times a game. And they part of that was because Josh McCray, who's now one of their top backs, 
was injured, and uh, they just needed more balance. Tommy DeVito was really good in these short throws, but they really struggled to stretch the field. So it's pretty easy for defenses to just kind of load up on Chase Brown. I think Luke Altmaier changes that a little bit because he can run, uh, because he can throw the deep ball. They still got to show they can do that. Um, they didn't have to do that, but he threw a lot of great slant passes, threw some deep balls, was really accurate. But they got a good wide receiver crew. It's really improved. This is one of the worst wide receiver rooms in the Big Ten when um, you know Brett Bielema took over. But Isaiah Williams, who played quarterback for Illinois, is a really dangerous slot. Pat Bryant had a phenomenal game against Kansas, was a good starter last year. They think he can be an all-Big Ten caliber player, 6'3", 200, physical. Uh, Casey Washington, not an explosive guy, but great hands, physical, 6'2", 200-something pounds. Um, so they, they feel like their wide receiver room has taken a big step forward, but they just weren't an explosive team last year. They relied on a lot of long drives, so they want to get more explosive and, and some of these big plays that you see Kansas uh, do a lot. But I, I do think Altmyer's dynamic ability makes them better. I just think they're deeper because Chase Brown, as good as he was, he would wear down late in drives and late in games, and they really struggled in the red zone because he's not a goal line pushing back. McCray can be that. Um, he said he had a really good freshman year before he had injuries last year. Reggie Love, I think, is just a solid overall back. I don't think he's going to blow people away. But that that all starts with the offensive line. Like Their offensive line has to be physical. That's what their identity is. It was not against Toledo, uh, but Luke Altmaier showed that even if that offensive line doesn't have a great game, maybe now they have a chance to win games because their quarterback and their wide receivers might take a step forward. Yeah, switching to the other side of the ball, you mentioned – the front five for Illinois earlier and just how deep, talented, experienced they are there. It's something different that I think Kansas hasn't really faced. You know, KU did have some troubles with three-man fronts last season, right? Baylor gave KU some fits. Iowa State gave KU some fits. K-State for a long time gave KU some trouble as well. So how exactly do they go about using that front five? Is it kind of everyone at once? Do they send four? Talk to me about how they kind of try and deploy that front five that is so talented. I'm still trying to learn that with a new defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Ryan Walters was a defensive coordinator last year for Illinois, last two years, and he became the head coach at Purdue. It's the first time since Mike Loxley left to coach New Mexico that an Illinois assistant coach became an FBS head coach straight from Illinois. Uh, so it had been a long time. Ryan Walters was phenomenal. He was one of the most aggressive coaches I've ever seen. Uh, played man-to-man, -man, which you can when you got dudes like Devin Witherspoon and Quad yeah. Martin and Sidney Brown. Uh, but he played a lot of man-to-man -man and just shut people down there. But that allowed him to be so aggressive in his pressure package. In the two games I've seen Aaron Henry be defensive coordinator, uh, now this is against Mississippi State, a team that airs it out, air raid offense, right? Last year when you know Mike Leach had died right before that game. But that's who they were. And then Toledo, they're worried about Daquan Finn this running dual threat quarterback who's at his best when he gets out on the perimeter and is able to make plays with his legs. So they weren't as aggressive in their pressure package. They ran more zone, but they got more aggressive in the second half against Toledo and they started to have more success. Uh, Illinois problem against Toledo mostly was struggling to contain the quarterback and penalties. They had so many penalties that prolonged drives, you know, personal fouls, roughing the passers that led to about 20 points. Uh, for Toledo. So discipline was a huge issue in week one, but their defensive front looked like it was reading and reacting, which is not what made them so successful last year. What makes them so successful 
is they got great talent in Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph in the middle as defensive linemen uh, in the three technique and in the five technique where those guys win one-on-one battles. They can bust double teams because they just get so aggressive getting upfield and they disrupt everything, whether it's a running, whether it's quarterback or whether it's the running lanes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they got outside linebackers and Seth Coleman and Gabe Ackes uh, who are really strong as well. But those guys are all kind of reading and reacting. Uh, and, and Aaron Henry got more aggressive later in the game, and, and I think they were more successful doing that. So it's a tough balance when you got a quarterback like a Jalen Daniels who can kill you with his legs, and if you get aggressive, he might have a hole that he can take it to the house. Like that's what they're nervous about. But you also, like your outside linebackers and linebackers have to be able to contain him, and Illinois had so many missed assignments. And Johnny Newton just was not himself. Keith Randolph had a pretty good game the last three quarters, but Johnny Newton just wasn't himself. Um, so I'd be talking about them differently if it wasn't after this Toledo game. But when they're right, Johnny Newton has to be double teamed. And that just frees up Gabe Ackes, a freshman All-American, Keith Randolph, an NFL draft prospect, and Seth Coleman, an All-Big Ten guy, for one-on-one battles and potentially for your linebackers to be blitzing, right? So mm-hmm. Illinois, what made them the number one scoring defense in the country, one, they play in the Big Ten. But two is they are just one of the most aggressive teams that forces quarterbacks uh, to make split decisions under incredible duress and throw into man coverage. That's what they've been. I'm still trying to figure out what they are under Aaron Henry. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a numbers issue, right? If you're going to double team one guy and they rush five that, you know, that leaves the one guy wide open. Um, Special teams is something that Kansas I think is getting used to maybe having an okay unit. That was a huge issue for KU last season. They obviously hired Sean Snyder over the off season to help out with that. Special teams for Illinois, punt, 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 return, field goal. How do they look on the special teams front heading into this game? Because I feel like, look, if this is going to be a low-scoring game where both of these offenses, I think, are going to, we'll see how it goes. But I think they'll probably end up trying to take the air out of the ball, maybe limit possessions, because that's what KU does. They have a really explosive offense, but they ran the fewest plays per minute of any Big Twelve team last year. So I feel like this is a game that could be a fast moving one. So special teams could be big. What, what's that unit look like for Illinois? Well, Sean Snyder was the Illinois special teams coordinator last year and they struggled. Uh, their, their punter was a first time punter. who was 30 years old, 29 years old, Hugh Robertson of Australia, but he really struggled with consistency uh, in his first year. Their kicking game struggled early, but got better that their coverage unit gave up a couple big plays, one against Michigan that led to three points that, you know, Illinois had Michigan down seven points entering the fourth quarter, Michigan made three field goals in the in this final quarter, and one of those was due to a long return that they had. But they looked good. They're, I gave their special teams an A plus after their first game. Kale Griffin had a game winning field goal. Hugh Robertson had three punts of you know forty plus yards, two forty seven yarders. Their coverage units were phenomenal, and they hit really hard. They got guys really bought into it. Robbie Disher came from Tulane. Uh, and Willie Fritz is known as a great special teams head coach. He usually coaches special teams. He gave up his special teams duties to Robbie Disher because he thought that much of him. So uh, special teams was a huge issue for Illinois, and it cost him some games last year, including Indiana, Michigan State, two teams that Illinois should have beat. And if they would have, they would have been in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, they looked better in, in week one. They got to continue to do that. But, uh, you know, Hugh Robertson struggled last year, especially at the beginning and middle of the season. He was good late. And uh, Caleb Griffin was an all-Big Ten uh, kicker. So special teams looks to be a strength again, but we just got to see them build on what they did week one. Yep, I think it's very similar for KU. They also went out and got an Australian punter who's 23 as a freshman, 
not quite 30 year old freshman, but I'm fascinated to see the special teams matchup as well. So Jeremy, let's get you out of here on this. I saw what you predicted heading into the season, but for you, what's going to be your, your game prediction for this one? Yeah, I, I always expect September to be full of surprises and, and growing pains and you know, penalties and figuring out who you are, what you need to work on. And uh, I think Illinois figured a lot of that out against Toledo. I expected that to be a close game, not that close. Um, I, I expected Illinois to kind of battle into the third and fourth quarter but find a way to win by two scores. Uh, they barely got out of there alive. I, I looked at this Kansas matchup so fascinated because I figured Illinois would have a huge advantage in the trenches especially when it comes to their offensive line against Kansas's defense. I still don't know what to take out of Kansas's defense front, even though they looked more athletic, as you said, against an FCS opponent. So yeah. I still think Illinois running the football should be an advantage. Like I feel like they should still be able to run the football, uh, but a little more discouraged about that, but I feel more encouraged about Luke Altmaier if I'm an Illinois fan. Uh, but defensively, I just find this matchup fascinating um, because Illinois with a new secondary, with a strong front seven against probably – the best quarterback they'll play all year if Jalen Daniels is healthy. I mean, Drew Aller of Penn State is talented, um, and, and maybe he's the guy maybe at the end of the year. But on paper, Jalen Daniels is the most dynamic quarterback they will play all year. Coming after Toledo, which Daquan Finn was good, but Jalen Daniels is a better passer than him. Uh, so I just find that matchup fascinating. I predicted before the season 31-28 Kansas. I figured Illinois would make some mistakes. Their defense would have some growing pains. Their secondary would have some growing pains. Uh, but I, I think it's a true toss-up because Illinois bounced back from some early season struggles to, to beat a really good offensive team in Virginia and just clobber them because they were more physical. Uh, but Illinois, that's how they got to win this game. They, they got to be the more physical team. And I know you said Kansas likes to you know, run the fewest amount of plays in the Big 12, but they're explosive. Yeah. Um, you know. I think Illinois needs to, to own the pace uh, of this game and, and really slow the possessions down, limit possessions, uh, and, and just not kill yourself. They really hurt themselves a lot with their penalties um, against Toledo. So uh, I, I think it's a phenomenal matchup, two great tests for e each of these teams, uh, and, and I think two programs that obviously want to get to another bowl game after making a bowl game last year. I think both these programs would feel pretty great. I think whoever wins this game has a good chance of being ranked uh, going into next week. It, um, maybe not, but they should be top 30. Cause I think Illinois would beat Toledo and you know, Kansas, that would be two top 50 teams in the country going into a game against Penn state. And then Kansas, not, maybe Kansas wouldn't be ranked, but I still think it'd be a really impressive win for them. So, uh, I think it's a big matchup for each of them, even though it won't uh, determine the conference title or anything like that. I think whoever uh, wins this game is going to feel pretty good about themselves heading into the rest of the month. Yeah, I totally agree. Big feather in that cap for, I think, whoever wins this one. Jeremy, where can KU fans find you if they're looking to get more info on Illinois heading into the game? Yeah, just alanainquire.com, 247sports.com, slash, slash college, slash Illinois, uh, and at, at jwarner247 on Twitter if you want any more Illinois updates before uh, Friday night's kickoff. Awesome. Thanks a bunch for your time, Jeremy. Anytime,